Welcome to the Pup Pester Podcast, or as we're calling it, P-Cubed. Yep, it's nerdy. I'm your host, Gail Tabor, and I'm glad you've joined us. I do this little thing called preaching, and so this is a time when I'm going to share with you a little sermon. So grab a craft brew and sit back in your easy chair or whatever. And enjoy hearing a little word of God. Thanks for joining us. With Jesus. Hey y'all, our scripture this week is one of my favorite part, well part of one of my favorite Bible stories. It's a story that I'm sure you know. It's one of those stories that everyone knows whether you go to church, don't go to church, ever cared about church. It's just one of those stories. It's the story of Jonah. And perhaps one of the reasons that I love the story of Jonah so much is, well, the impossibility of it all. It's a little bit fanciful. Um, It's a whole lot of, yeah, that just didn't happen. But also a part of that is, I see a lot of Jonah in me. uh, And a lot of me and Jonah. And... uh, so before we get get to the the text today, I want to get you caught up on the story because we're not starting with Jonah in the beginning of the story like you kind of think you should. Um, so there's this dude. His name is Jonah, and God says to Jonah, "Go to Nineveh," and Jonah's like, "Yeah, no, not doing it." Like a lot of us do, you know. He kind of slinks off to the side, kind of maybe in a, a pink panther kind of way. As he kind of slinks off in the opposite direction. Because he doesn't want to go where God is telling him to do. And quite frankly, what God asks us to do is sometimes hard. And we don't want to do it. So anyway, Jonah runs in the opposite direction. And he gets on a ship headed for Tarshish. Which is the opposite direction from Nineveh where God told him to go. And then there's this storm, you know, and I don't know about you, I've been on a boat in a storm, not somewhere I wanted to be. Couldn't wait to get off that boat. And it wasn't a bad storm, it was just a storm, you know, just rain and and waves kick up and there's some wind and it's scary. And Jonah says to the people on the ship, that's God, he's after me. So the sailors toss him overboard. Out in the middle of the ocean. And then this whale, or this big fish, comes and swallows Jonah whole. And Jonah, there in the belly of the fish, which I imagine to be this horridly putrid place, this place that the stank is just so... I mean, come on, let's be real. A fish on the inside. The fish on the outside is kind of slimy and slicky and smells bad. Imagine what it's like inside. Inside the stomach. The stomach juices. And all the the stuff that the whale and this big fish has eaten is in there with you. You're sloshing around in that mess. So Jonah, like most any of us would... Looks around, next realizes where he is, 
how this isn't going to go his way, how he is in a bad place. And so he says to God, okay, you win. You win. I'll go. He resigns himself to going. And so the fish throws him up on the shore. And Jonah goes to Nineveh. And he preaches to Nineveh. God's going to get you if you don't repent. God's going to get you if you don't repent. God's going to get you if you don't repent. So what do they do? They repent. They listen to him. They hear his sermons and they do what he says to do. Now I'll tell you from someone who does a little bit of little bit of preaching. The idea that people are listening bonus. The idea that people take what you said and take what what God spoke through you to heart. Wow, that's just whoop 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 exciting. But the idea that they they heard you and they took what you said to heart and then they acted on it. They actually did what you were telling them they needed to do is just like it is the pinnacle. And so here here we are in Nineveh. Jonah has gone. He didn't want to go. He preached. He didn't want to preach. And the people listened. They repented from the king on down to the animals. They all repented. They all put on their sackcloth. They all had their ashes. And Jonah? Jonah's reaction. Well, that's where we pick up our story with our scripture today. Which is Jonah 3, 10, verse 10, through chapter 4, verse 11. And I'm reading this from the message. God saw what they had done that they had turned away from their evil lives. He did change his mind about them. What he said he would do to them, he didn't do. And Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I am better off dead. And God said, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and he sat there in the shade to see what would happen to that city. And God arranged for a broad-leaf tree to spring up. And it grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his sulky anger. And Jonah was pleased and he enjoyed the shade and life was looking up. But then God sent a worm. By dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the shade tree, and it withered away. The sun came up, and God sent a hot, blistering wind from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head, and he started to faint. And he prayed to die. I'm better off dead. And then God said to Jonah, What right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? And Jonah said, I got plenty of right. It made me 
angry enough to die. And God said, what's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted nor watered it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I, likewise, change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who didn't yet know right from wrong to say nothing of all the innocent animals. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's so much that we could unpack in this scripture, but today I want to talk about one aspect, and that is Jonah being angry. Jonah being angry that God changed his mind about destroying Nineveh. And how Jonah is angry that God has taken away Jonah's shade. His shade that he gets to sulk in. And I think about if if God were to ask Jonah, like, why are you really angry? Like, really drill into why are you angry? How would he justify his anger? You know, Jonah might say to God that God had violated a sacred covenant that he had established with the Jewish people by showing mercy to the Ninevites. And just to be clear, the Ninevites are... They're the arch enemy. This is the capital city of the arch enemy of the Israelites. And so, I mean, these are not people that um, that are God people. These are not God's people. This is not the Israelites. These are people who would do against Israel. And so Jonah is mad. Jonah may be mad because... You know, Jewish people that that he had established this covenant with Jewish people, and now he's showing mercy to someone else. But you see, there's nothing in the covenant that tied God's hands from showing mercy to someone outside of that covenant. Or Jonah might have responded by reminding God that God had taken away Jonah's shade. But surely that would sound pretty petty, even to Jonah. You know, Jonah doesn't really give a reason besides, I was angry. I don't know about you, if you've ever been angry and someone started to really question why you were angry and you're just like, hmm, boy, I'd give you the reason, but it sounds, it sounds petty, even to me as I try to explain it. But let me make this observation. In recent decades... We have acted as if we are captive to our feelings. If we happen to be angry, we would have to get in touch with our feelings of anger, probably through extensive hours of counseling, before we would have any hope of moving past those feelings. And I think this idea has been way oversold. Because we have a great deal more control over our feelings than we're willing to admit. Jonah illustrates this in stark detail. He could have been glad that God spared the Ninevites, but instead he chose to be angry instead of choosing to be happy. And let me say it one more time. Jonah chose to be angry instead of choosing to be happy. He made a decision to be angry. But he could just as easily have made a decision to be happy 
It was his choice, his decision. It was his decision that put him at odds with God. Jonah's bad choice was responsible for the misery he had in his feelings. His bad choice, anger, led to bad consequences, misery. Just like his bad choice to not go to Nineveh ended up being in bad consequences, being on a ship that was in a storm that was that then caused him to be thrown overboard and to end up in the belly of a fish. You see, this choice led to consequences. And that's a pattern that we see people repeating nearly every day. It's a pattern that's entirely unavoidable. We can choose. We can choose how our feelings, what feelings we feed, and how our feelings are affecting how we are walking through the world. Frederick Brunecker, that may not be how you say his name, in his book, Wishful Thinking, said this, Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontations still to come. To savor to the last last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are given back. In many ways, it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that you are woofing down, what you are woofing down is yourself. The skeletons at the feast is you. We do not need to be victims of our feelings. We need to understand that we make choices about our feelings. I read um, a saying uh, years ago, and I've heard it repeated often, that said um, anger is like uh, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's something we do to ourselves that eats us from the inside out. We don't have to be victims of our feelings. We can make choices about our feelings. We can wrangle them and wrestle them and work with them to get them under control so that we can feel differently. And believe me, I'm as guilty as anyone. There are are things that happen they knock me off my rails and I get angry and I get upset and I get worried and I get whatever and all of a sudden I'm off in some other world dealing with some problem that in reality is of my own making. But we could choose. We can choose to not be knocked off our rails. We can choose how we act and react. I saw a Facebook post just this past week about a sign that was on a business window that said, I love you. You're probably thinking, you don't even know me. But if people can hate for no reason, I can love. I think that resonates with where we are. Where we are in our world today. Where we are in in our lives today.
if people can hate for no reason, if people can be angry for no reason, we can choose to be happy and we can choose to love just as easy. The choice, the choice is yours. Pray with me. God, in our, um, in our tumultuous world, in the world where turmoil seems to be so rampant, help us to remember that you're in control. Help us to remember that we can control our feelings, our thoughts, our action. It all falls in our own purview. And we can choose how we react to each other. And we can choose how we love each other. Help us, God, to always choose love. To always choose to care for each other. Amen. Go in peace, y'all.